There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. 178 of these already. The soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Yes, if only. In my own mind is that beautiful open voiced by Mr. Manny Hill states Minnesota sports chat is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Also now including that YouTube machine, just search Minnesota sports chat like the entire town of Lincoln and the great state of Nebraska did just a week or two ago. Mr. Gophers guru, Daniel house in moments joins the pod. He'll start joining Weekly for a preview and review edition. We did that last year. I promised we would do it again this year. This will be the first one, and we'll settle on a date and time to be determined. For the rest of the season, I'm sure we'll spend most of our time talking Gophers football. I'll also throw him some Vikings questions as well. As we get rolling on edition number 178, you know the drill. You probably knew I would even say those exact words of you know the drill. Please remember to rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you're listening, whether that be on Apple or Spotify. Please do so. Make sure you uh, hit like and subscribe on YouTube. Do all those cool and fun things that all the kids are doing. If you're listening via the Score North Taxi Squad feed, I encourage you to subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you get your pods. Daniel, how you doing, my guy? Doing well. Football season's back. Review week now, so I, I always enjoy the the first week. I think what I want to know is how well rested are you? I mean, we had <laughs> we had Hawaii and Stanford late into the day on Saturday. I mean, well, actually, it was so late into the day on Saturday it went into Sunday. Well, I posted my game article from Gophers at two forty six a.m. that day, Woo! and then I just continued. Then I just continued into throughout the, the weekend. weekend, yeah, just watching all the games and getting a feel for everybody's new schemes and personnel. And it's just it's hard the first week because there's a lot of unknown. But I feel I learned quite a bit. I think the most fun I had all weekend, aside from the Gophers comeback victory, which we'll touch on in just moments, was. I guess maybe my second favorite team close to it. I have some other teams that I like to keep tabs on. I've always loved the University of Wyoming. I love them more now that Craig Bull is there. You know, we're Craig Bull says we're a two uniform school. We have our home and our ways. I love I love that. I love the tradition of that old man. Uh, our guy Peasley gets a nice win over Texas Tech at home. A raucous crowd in Laramie. That was fun with my guy Rich Waltz on the call. That was. A fun little treat on a Saturday night. Not very often Wyoming gets the national TV treatment on a Saturday night. So maybe a good program defining win for Craig Bull and the Wyoming Cowboys. Yeah, big upset there. And I enjoyed the weekend watching Dion in Colorado. That team's speed instantly jumps out. I don't think TCU is a good football team, so people need to slow their roll. It will actually be fascinating to see how 
they handle the Nebraska 335 with all the layers that are involved with that, it creates a ton of challenges. I said to somebody the other day that Nebraska will definitely upset one team that's favored because of that defensive scheme. It is a hard code to crack. You took the words right out of my mouth with Colorado. I don't want to discredit anything that Dion did, but I, I think most of last year, I think TCU was playing with a bit of a horseshoe. They play atrocious defense. I think Colorado, all along, I thought they would be okay. I think all this does for me is I think instead of them winning six or seven, maybe they win eight or nine. But yes, calm down. Colorado is not going to play in the college football playoff. I really don't believe this has dramatically changed the game of college football. Maybe I'll be wrong on that, but the hyperbole over the last week, I think, has been just a little bit ridiculous. But Daniel, that is what we love about this sport. Each and every week, there's a new talking point, and it's fun. So I don't begrudge Dion in Colorado at all. I actually do think it's great for the sport. The only thing I'm annoyed by is Dion talking about keeping receipts and acting like they just won the national championship after winning their first game of the season. It's like, buddy, you got... You got 11 to 12 more of these to go. You should maybe calm down a little bit. But you know what? Coach Prime knows a heck of a lot more about football. How's that go? He's forgotten more than I will ever know, Daniel. So I won't jab at him too much, other than I thought his postgame presser was a little ridiculous. But that's just me. Not ridiculous. The left-footed leg of Daniel House's guy, Dragon Kessich. <laughs> Please snap. Truly a remarkable win. Gophers win the national championship. Oh, oh no, that's just Gus Johnson overselling every call. Never mind. But the Gophers did get a big victory over Nebraska. That's Gus Johnson on Fox Sports. Uh, Daniel, we'll start with, well, I guess we've already started, but when it talks to the Gophers or comes to the Gophers, we'll start with, I think, the final five minutes of the game, Daniel. Uh, the, The Huskers just continued to do what the Huskers have done. And the Gophers snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. And I will take it. I think when we talked about this game leading up, all I wanted to do was survive the week. I'm not going to criticize the Gophers for winning 13 to 10. I wouldn't have criticized them for winning 33 to 30 or winning 40 to 7. I think you just really don't know what you're getting into week one. And anytime you can play a quality opponent and make no mistake about it, Nebraska's not going to be the best team the Gophers play all year, but they're probably going to be far from the worst. So to get a victory like that to start the year, I think you'll take it no matter how you got it. And you have to credit the Gophers for not mailing it in and keeping coming back for more until they were able to finally be victorious in the waning seconds at Huntington Bank Stadium last Thursday. I thought that the team responded extremely well to the unknown of this game. The scheme that Nebraska runs out is so multiple where you got three-man, four-man, five-man front, and then you think you maybe know what it's going to be, and then you get a safety shooting in at the last second unblocked and totally blows up the run play that you had planned out. That's a tough part of the Nebraska defensive scheme is just figuring it out. And I thought Minnesota made the winning plays when they need it most. And that's what you want from your big-time players. Tyler Newbin, two interceptions. Justin Wally with the huge forced fumble. The incredible catch by Daniel Jackson, one of the best you're ever going to see. And then Sean Tyler's run 
Third and 13, you just had a false start. Mindset could have totally changed there. Greg Harbo dials up outside zone. Sean Tyler puts his foot in the ground, breaks a tackle, gets 11 yards, which if he doesn't get those 11 yards, he doesn't break that tackle. You might have missed that field goal and been in, in overtime. So that play was a defining moment. Minnesota had some things that they had to work through. I thought the defense had some pressure put on it that people aren't talking about. You got that long kickoff return to start the second half, and then that uh, roughing the punter, which I thought was pretty marginal, that was called. That put the defense on the field after they were getting off of it. Uh, there were just moments throughout the game. Offensively, I thought they showed flashes of rhythm. But then there were plays that took it away. You had that quick screen to Crooms that got blown up. You had that end around where they tried to build off the counter and it didn't work. And you had that second and long run near midfield. That totally messed with the flow of the drive. Ethan had some flashy moments throughout. A couple of throws that on the move, creating off script where he showed off what, what he can really do with his arm. There's things he's got to get better at, accuracy, consistency, and some drops that Minnesota had. But for the most part, I think you'll tune some of these things up. I wrote about the run game. If you want to get some insight on what happened with that and, and some of the things I didn't think the run game is close. They got to fine tune some details, but you can read about that on the website. Yeah, that website is gophersguru.com. Daniel, observation from section 235 on that aforementioned Sean Tyler run. I think that was the call before any uh, sort of penalty or setback. I, I don't think they changed the call one bit. I think the call was to try and get a little bit closer, center the ball, eat some clock, and kick that field goal as time expired. And if the kick was missed, you go to overtime as long as it's not blocked in return for a touchdown. Did you see anything change in those waning seconds, or is that observation uh, spot on? That observation spot on. I thought they dialed that thing up from the beginning because, you know, obviously they weren't super efficient running the football in that game and you're backed up and Nebraska has been hyper aggressive the whole night. You were waiting for that moment where that big run was going to pop off and it was the perfect time to do it. Greg Harbo, props to him for calling that in, in that situation and Sean Tyler for executing because that's where you're going to see Sean Tyler shine is in that outside zone where he's slashing one cut and accelerate downhill uh we'll see sean's gonna have a nice season he's a good player what does a team like nebraska have to do to get over the hurdle of all the one score losses is it i don't think it's as easy as winning one do you have to win a couple in a row or a couple over like a, a month stretch I, what, I don't even know I believe Matt Rule will be a good hire for Nebraska. I don't think anybody should really care one way or another whether Nebraska won week one or not if you're a Huskers fan. I think a lot of the fan reaction was very level-headed, which I, I applaud I them. But I also don't know, how do you start to turn that, to use the buzzword, how do you start to turn that culture around and get things going in the right direction? I think the easy answer would be, turn around and steal all of Colorado's momentum and knock them off this weekend. Easier said than done. So how do you start to turn that around and get the players to buy in and get them to start believing in the direction that we're going? And, hey, guys, this isn't the team you've been the last few years. We can be different. How does Matt rule and maybe not even rule? How does a coach in that same scenario go about that? Make your stamp on the roster. Use the transfer portal, get faster, add more versatility, and get better play out of the quarterback spot. I mean, you can't 
have those mistakes right before half that interception third highest print win probability swing in that whole game was the Trayvon Jones pick where he just thought there was space and got baited into that interception and, and how short wide receiver was wide open in the front of the end zone. So not only yeah, did he, just, not only did he throw the pick, he threw it to the wrong guy. Yeah. He ran that snag concept. And I wrote about that on the website. You can read the insight on that play, but you know, that illusion of space there, Tyler Newbin said after the game, he felt he was a little out leveraged on that route. So he was happy that Jones was able to tuck behind Devin Williams in the flat and, you know, bait him into that mistake. It was a huge play that isn't getting a lot of discussion. I don't think. What's Matt Simon have to do to be a play caller or a solo offensive coordinator. It seems like every chance he may get to be the logical guy to be the offensive coordinator for some reason, one way or another, he's not. Is it just as simple for him as playing the waiting game and continue to get more seasoning? Because I would assume would have assumed going into the off season that when they announced co-coordinators that he would be the play caller and, and he's not. Now I know they both have quite the history with PJ Flack. I'm not saying it's wrong or that Harbo's not good or that Simon deserves it more. I just think it's interesting. He's he's been in the role so long, knows the program, has been interim offensive coordinator before. I, I'm not again, not that it I don't know if it matters at this point. We're only one week in. It just continues to be interesting to me that he's not quote unquote the guy. Yeah, I'd say the play calling. I mean, Greg's handling the official play calling, but it is more collaborative than people think where Brian Callahan's saying, what type of protection do you want? What type of rush scheme is best in this situation? Matt's providing insight on the route combinations. And then Greg's taking that feedback from those guys. And then they're, he's making the final decision on the play call. It's not like just one guy is relaying the play call. There's a lot of feedback going on at all times. I mean, Greg's, you know, driving forward, driving the bus and the flow of the game, but there is feedback involved And Greg has been around the program, been around PJ for a long time. He was talking about PJ was talking about, writing uh, Greg a letter the night before the game and just tell he didn't really get into the detail of what he said, but he wanted to write a letter to tell him how special the moment was. And those two are, have been close. Greg, Matt, all those guys have been around each other for a long time. So there's definitely good chemistry. I believe from top to bottom, this might be one of the best coaching staffs PJ's had. And I thought it was an X factor at the end of that game coming out victorious. They made adjustments. What can you tell us about crab and Lindenberg? Will we ever see crab on the field again for the Gophers? I would anticipate those guys will be back soon. That's what I'll say. They will be back soon. Oh, Look at you. You're turning into a politician already. Can I make you governor no, I'm one just day? I'm telling you they'll be back soon. It's not a long, it's not a long-term thing. They'll be back soon. Uh, I want to play one piece of audio and then we'll wrap up Nebraska and we'll move on to Eastern Michigan. But I, I really liked PJ's answer. I, I, he was asked, what did he learn about his team? And I would tell you for me, I don't really know what we learned. I think it takes more than just a week, and I really liked uh, the coach's answer. But I learned, you know, the things that we thought. You know, this team's really poised. They have a lot of confidence in themselves. They're never out of it. Um, you know, they, they've got pretty level heads uh, for as inexperienced as some of them are, and then guys that played a ton of football bring that. I mean, Tyler Newbin in really high moments is talking about how he's going to go get it. He's walking off the silence. I'm going to go pick it off. Now, he's said that a lot. 
Uh, he just happened to, you know, Babe Ruth only pointed one time, I think, you know, to the, to the fence, we think, right? Maybe he pointed 100 times and then hit one and everybody covers that one. But, but, but Tyler Newbin, like, that, that's the type of player he is. That's P.J. Fleck at his weekly presser, courtesy of Gopher Sports and Fox 9. Here's what I like about that answer, Daniel, about the ups and the downs and the ebbs and the flows. You just played a pretty important game to start the year against Nebraska, a team in your division. You get a nice win. Well, now you're stepping out of conference. You're playing a team that I think everybody believes you should beat. Depending on the line, you're somewhere to 19 to 21 point favorites. You got to keep a level head so you can come back and do just exactly what Vegas thinks you're supposed to do this upcoming weekend. But also, it's a great chance if you do your job to get some other guys some playing time and some experience. And I think that, I don't know if PJ would ever come out and say that. I think the hope for PJ would be late in the third quarter into the fourth. He's getting some other guys playing time this upcoming weekend. Well, and you already saw that, Ross, in this most recent game where you're able to get, you know, the people like uh, Aiden Goosby in the game, Maverick Baranowski filling in for Cody Lindenberg. Those reps that each of those players receive will be critical moving forward because if there's injuries that hit, you want guys to be ready and not be learning and, and trying to get reps in the middle of the season. I'd rather have them getting those reps now and learning from the experiences they had. I thought Baranowski did a nice job for the most part, a couple missed tackles, but good assignment, sound football, where he was in the right spot, just got to finish some plays, and there's things he's got to work on. But uh, those reps are critical, and I thought, you know, keeping that level head, like PJ said, is su- such a critical component of being successful. This team has nice chemistry. I felt that dating back from the spring to the fall, I like looking at that. I'm one of those people that loves to go to things and watch how everyone interacts and what the what the vibes like. I, I, I like that people reading side of it. And I felt very good chemistry from this team. And I thought it showed when they needed it in the big spot. So Eastern Michigan's coming off a triumphant 33-23 to win over the mighty Howard University at home in one of my favorite cities to say, Ypsilanti. Sources tell me they're pretty solid on special teams, Daniel House, but what else does Eastern Michigan and head football coach Chris Creighton do well? They're coming off a 9-4 and season last year, a big win in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl over San Jose State. A lot of that obviously sounds like I'm talking in jest, which full disclosure, I am. However, a 9-4 and record in a conference that historically gives the Big Ten trouble, for as much as the Gophers are favored, I think you got to be careful on Saturday. Yeah, this is a football team that you can't just think you're going to show up and win. They are, they've got great special teams. Like you said, Mitchell Tomasek, the punter, is one of the best in the country. I think he is an outstanding player. I watched the cutups from last year and this year, and I was like, this guy can punt. Jesus Gomez, a good kicker. The coverage and return units are all solid. They had two kickoff return touchdowns, uh, two return touchdowns in the last game. Offensively, uh, they're a team that, you know, they're going to run pistol. They're going to run some quick hitting RPO stuff. They're an on schedule type of offense where they're going to run the ball, try to be efficient on early downs. They're not one of those teams that's that's super explosive. So you got to be efficient on early downs. I would expect, based on Austin Smith and his history, the quarterback, you're going to see some quarterback run game. So they're going to have to defend that a little bit better. 
Uh, Tanner Canoe's their best receiver. Outside of that, I don't see a ton of talent in that wide receiver room. They're okay up front. On the defensive side, I thought they got a lot of pressure with their front. A couple really good edge rushers. Uh, Justin Jefferson plays for Eastern Michigan. Keep an eye out for the other Justin Jefferson. He actually had a nice game uh, against Howard. And then they play a lot of man coverage. So you're going to have to create some combinations where you're able to, you know, create rubs, uh, switch releases, things like that. I'll be talking about that in a preview article. But uh, man coverage, get ready for tons of cover one single high defense while playing Eastern Michigan. What did you make of the gameplay over the weekend, not just from the Gophers in Nebraska, but across college football with the new clock changes now running all the way between plays until inside of two minutes of each half? I'll tell you this. I I loved it. And here's the reason why, whether we want to admit it or not, I think most people are finally starting to say it out loud. Big time college football is a feeder system for the NFL. I think big time college football for the most part should resemble what the NFL looks like. I saw a lot of Gophers fans not happy with how fast the game was moving. Well, I'll tell you this. It's because the two teams are running the ball left and right and keeping the clock moving. You watch other games around the country on Saturday, Colorado and TCU, that game still lasted over three and a half hours. So yes, games are going to move quicker, but I'm okay with that for as much as I love Gopher football and college football. I don't need to be at TCF. Did it again. Huntington bank stadium for four hours on a Saturday. I'm fine with it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I I believe what it does is it changes the strategy of offensive coordinators because every possession counts. Now, you don't know how many you're going to get less plays, less drives. You only have three drives in the first half of that game against Nebraska. So you're not going to be able to do the old ball control and then, ah, whatever, you know, drive fizzles out. You have to be able to sustain drives and then – you know, I've always been team, you got to cross the opponent's 40 yard line and then you got to get points like that is the measure of efficiency over time of possession. And now in this landscape where you have less drives, your drive efficiency, your opportunity rate needs to be really good. And I think that's important now with this this rule change is definitely going to impact how coordinators approach the game and how head coaches manage their philosophies uh, offensively. Well, right now, everybody listening, Daniel, they have a great opportunity rate to head to coffeebybeans.com. Get yourself some good, good, good coffee. Thanks to Beans Coffee Company for supporting Minnesota Sports Chat and helping not just provide this podcast to the masses, but also provide the masses with great coffee. Beans Coffee Company, you know it. They have a blend for everybody. Light, medium, and dark. Doesn't matter what you prefer. They have it. Check out all the blends at coffeebybeans.com. That is coffeebybeans.com. There you can order by the bag or even get yourself a coffee subscription. Set it up at the interval you choose. I'm now giving the three minutes a whirl. And yes, of course, I love it. All their coffee. Great stuff. That's a nice light to medium roast. Good for the middle of the route. Remember to use the promo code SPORTSCHAT to save at checkout. Beans Coffee Company ships anywhere in the United States with free shipping on all orders of $35 or more. Coffeebybeans.com. Use that promo code SPORTSCHAT. Daniel, it's that weird time of the year where the Minnesota Golden Gophers will have completed two games before the Minnesota Vikings complete their first Vikings and Buccaneers this Sunday at noon. Kirk Cousins v. Baker Mayfield. 
What are you looking forward to? I want to see the, the offensive and defensive line. Uh, Brian Flores, the new scheme. I expect a lot of smoke and mirrors changing the picture, going to have, you know, showing those cover zero blitzes back and out. Uh, zone pressures where you've got, you know, sims where you're dropping a defender and replacing them with someone else. Like there's going to be a ton of diversity in this scheme. A lot of things that Baker Mayfield's going to have to account for. So are they able to, you know, create some takeaways, uh, get their hands on the football. I think that's going to be a pivotal aspect of the game. And then I'm watching how the Vikings offensive line handles Tampa Bay's defensive line, Vita Vea, uh, the inside against Garrett Bradbury. That push from the interior can really impact your ability to be successful. Kirk Cousins' uh, field of vision and launch angles can be impeded by interior pressure. And I thought that was one of the areas when I was at these joint practices that I left going, is this interior offensive line good enough? Uh, it will be a test right away. You look at like Greg Gaines, Vita Vea. Uh, it sounds like Kalijah Kansi is going to go. Like they have a lot of versatility in a front seven. So right off the right out of the gate, the Vikings are going to have a nice test against uh, Tampa Bay's defense. Well, not just against Tampa Bay's defense, but the early schedule. Tampa Bay comes to Minnesota. Vikings then go to the Eagles on short rest. Vikings then host the Chargers at the Panthers. They should win. You'd like to think that they would, but still a tough road test. Mm -hmm. And then you host the Chiefs. So your overanalyzed sports talking point, Daniel. It's kind of a must win in week one against Tampa, isn't it? I mean, you you kind of got to win. You kind of got to win that game or the math to winning maybe 10 plus games gets very difficult very early. You have to start the season strong. You're at home. You're playing a team where you have the edge at quarterback, uh, but it, it is the first game. There's a lot that you have to figure out. Uh, there'll be unknowns at the Buccaneers. They got a brand new Dave Canales as the offensive coordinator. I would expect him to have some wrinkles that he hasn't shown before, like Kev will, like B flow, all those guys, they're going to throw out a ton of different wrinkles that nobody's prepared for. And that's the unknown of the first game. That's why I always say first games is first couple weeks in the NFL the games are a little closer than anticipated because of the fact that there's that mystery element and people got to figure out personnel and scheme because this league is so creative and there's so much talent that uh, a lot of things get schemed up. I'm going to put you on the spot here in closing on Purple Dailies. Before I die, we did a bit where we wanted Vikings and NFL bold takes. And, you know, you're Ooh. just you're just saying them to say them. I mean, I'll be honest about that. I mean, you, you obviously believe in it, but nobody's really holding you to it. I uh, Here's my bold take. OK, and then you can follow up with yours. My bold take that I kind of believe but don't really believe the Cincinnati Bengals will miss the playoffs. That's tough division. Ooh. Joe Burrow's got the contract situation. That offensive line is still atrocious. And I'm putting a little bit of faith in Pittsburgh and Baltimore to be better than they were last year, even though they were both pretty good. So that's my bold take. That's sure to be wrong. Give me any NFL bold take that you have on our way out the door here. I think it could come down to the Seahawks and the Giants in the NFC this year. Wow. Interesting. Geno Smith and Danny Dimes in an NFC championship game. Interesting. I don't know what I don't know what I feel about here's, that. Here's what I'd say. The reason why I picked those teams, I think they're young, they're fast, and they've done some good things with personnel. And the NFC is wide open. Oh, that's that, 
Well, when you said that, Daniel, that was the first thing that I thought of. It's not that inconceivable because if it's not going to be the Eagles or the Niners in the NFC Championship game or sub out one of those teams, who are the other logical teams that could take that place? Yeah, it could be could be the Giants, could be the Seahawks, could be a number of teams from the NFC I North. Do, I it's do truly think, wide open. I do think Green Bay is is a team to watch too because if everything tick, they're going to run the ball a little bit more. Jordan Love, if he can just you know make some plays off play action, uh, not make mistakes, take care of the ball. I mean, they got a pretty good front seven. I think that the, that the Packers uh, are a team that. I don't know. I, I feel like everybody just automatically thinks they're going to be bad this year, but I would not say that at all. Uh, not this guy. I I think between the Vikings, Lions, and Packers, I think two of those three will probably make the playoffs. I think the Packers will be – I don't think they're going to be Aaron Rodgers just fine, but they should still be pretty darn good. That's a good roster, and I don't think Jordan Love is as bad as a lot of Vikings fans want to believe that he is. So time will tell on that one as well. GophersGuru.com. What are people going to find when they sign up? Tons of content. Notebook from the game. Game breakdown on some of the offensive things in the run game. Defensively, I put out a piece on the quarterback run game and Trayvon Jones' interception. Got insight from the coaches as well. And then film clips that you can actually watch and understand some of the things that are going on out on the field. $5 a month gets you access to the subscription package. You also got a smile and a nod from the head football coach at this week's presser. So I I, I think <laughs> I think you're his favorite. I told you that via text. I think he likes you. He likes I you. Even, I didn't he even really notice likes that. you. I yeah. didn't even notice that. Man. He smiles at you a lot. He likes you. I Your thoughts. I, I don't pay attention. You to can't. It. You can't let him like you or dislike you. You're right. Or no, you can, but you just can't let it get to you. You got a job to do. You remember that. He's trying to get you in his back pocket. You say, PJ, <laughs> no, no. I'm still going <laughs> to criticize when I want to. Daniel, you're the best. Thanks, bud. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, you have a new Twitter handle. Very quickly, what is it? You changed at it on da- me. At, at Daniel House MN. At Daniel House MN on the Twitter machine. I am at the Ross Brendel, and that does it for the 178th edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. Back again a few times next week, late in the week with Daniel to review Eastern Michigan and preview North Carolina. We'll talk again soon. Thank you for consuming.